Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I took a week off of the podcast just for one obvious reason. Is the content I'm about to go over this week is lengthy, voluptuous, one would say. (laughs) So with that said, um, this dieting setup that I'm going to be talking about this week is um, going to be multi-episode, probably two, if not three depending on how far I get. So a couple things to talk about. Uh, One of which is I'm going to be giving you guys quite a bit of information. So if you have an interest in this or you have an interest on trying to run some of these protocols, it would behoove you to write some things down. This is likely one of those podcasts where you want to write some things down to reference later because you will forget. Uh, Topic number two that I want to do before, this is all preface items. I'm one of those people that's very hesitant to take advice from people. I get it. Everybody wants to come off like a professional. Everybody wants to come off like they know everything. I'm not one of those guys. What I'm telling you here is things that I've learned over a decade worth of research and application. These are things that I've put my body through and yet also things I've put other people's bodies through. Anybody that I've worked with will attest to you about these techniques and how I've used them. Um, this is the Boskinator, this is Splinter Cell. I mean, these are a number of different people I've worked with that have seen success with these things. So that's all I can say. And I guess visuals probably help. So maybe I'll be douchey as much as I feel like it feels douchey to do. I'll post some pictures on social media so you guys can see what this can help you do. Now, with that being said, This is a preface episode, so it's going to be a lot of information dump. It's also going to be a lot of um, honesty about the psychological process of dieting. This is often why people pay other people to diet, because if you're going through the process of putting in the exercise and putting in the work with, with cooking and putting in the work with tracking calories or whatnot... It's a lot to take on when you yourself have a normal lifestyle. Hopefully you have friends, family, social life, whatever. I am highly caffeinated today, by the way. I'm on my second cup of coffee, but I feel like I need that today. If you have any sort of social life, it's hard to do it all. It's hard to plan, it's hard to do, and it's hard to also adapt in the middle of your normal lifestyle. So be aware of that. Um, This is probably, this is very helpful for all people because I feel like when you can master the ability to manipulate your diet and your training, you will be far less stressed and anxiety filled with the concepts of feeling like you're putting on a little bit of body fat. Okay, that's preface number one. Preface number two, dieting as a whole and training as a whole is a completely, incredibly large psychological process. 
when we talk about that, we talk about the changes that you have to forego in your lifestyle, the, the adaptations you have to make in order to succeed. And those things aren't often things that most people do. Therefore, be aware that you will have social pressures to drink and go out with your friends. You will have social pressures saying, uh, you're not looking the greatest. You will have social pressures about people telling you this or that, right? Families notoriously are like, oh, here, have this extra plate of food or here, have this like you're looking you're looking different you're not looking as healthy as always because people are used to seeing you with your fat cheeks <laughs> okay also realize that there's a mental burden that occurs when you're training and you're cutting weight and then you see yourself and you see the scale and you're not happy with the amount of work you're putting in be aware that this takes time all of this takes a long time and also depending on how and where you're coming from this could take longer, right? If you're a person that is grossly obese, and once again, back to ownership, back to being honest with yourself. If you're grossly obese and you have 100 plus pounds to lose, I would highly urge you, unless you're 18 or 19 years old, not exactly those two ages, but I'm talking about that young, be aware that this should be a journey for you. For two reasons, one of which, once again, the psychological burden of dieting for long periods of time. Also, because the recomp of your skin isn't guaranteed. Depending on your genetics, depending on who you are, there's no guarantee that your skin will come back the way you want it to. And so for those people, the people that have a lot of weight to lose, you rather want to stretch that out so your skin has a better, the best opportunity to re-elastate elastic that's not a word to reconnect to your body as you're losing the weight otherwise you get those people that have to have surgery with that being said i don't necessarily know if you're 400 500 pounds if you take four or five years to diet down i can't guarantee that that skin will recomp it's a genetic thing some people recomp some people don't just like some women have babies pop them out and recover in a couple days they look like they did before the baby right and some women have permanent changes in their bodies they could that's having to do with age that's having to do with genetics so be aware of those things i have a lot of notes i have a lot of notes because Ultimately, this is a lot of information dump. Let's talk about the big elephant in the room. The one that nobody wants to talk about. Well, the steroid one. Steroids are the one that nobody wants to talk about. This is the other elephant in the room. I stopped coaching people because 90%, eh, 85% of people that I trained don't want it bad enough. I've been thankful and gifted enough in my lifetime where I have found my own motivation or maybe potentially have been given my motivation where I never lacked the motivation. Some people lack the motivation and you don't want it as bad as you want to go out on Friday night. You don't want to change your life as badly as you want to go put some time in on a, on a degree to, to progress in your, in your lifestyle so you're not living paycheck to paycheck. You don't want it bad enough where you don't want to have to take that many pills every single day just to be able to, to live a normal life. You don't want it bad enough. So I'm not going to sugarcoat things and I'm not going to sit here and, and baby you. If you don't want things bad enough, then don't. This is not the podcast for you, period. This is going to be a waste of your time. When you want it bad enough, 
come back and, and re-listen. This for me is not about views or, or subscriptions or money that I'm making off of this podcast. I have made exactly zero dollars off of this podcast. This podcast for me is a way to putting out data into the world so that those that need it, if the universe, universe functions sometimes as I think it does, they will find the information and, and, and use it. That's what this podcast has been thus far. So be aware of that. If you do not have the motivation to take something of this nature on, you're better off paying someone to help you diet or owning up to the fact that you don't want it bad enough. Period. 10 minutes in, we're okay. Here's the next thing on the, on the docket, okay? There is a lot of dieting protocols out there. The one we're going to be talking about during this whole training series, this whole dieting series, is more of a flexible dieting style. And let me tell you why I gravitate towards that. It is somewhat mentally draining for people when you have to think about counting calories and scanning and tracking and apps. Yes, it is mentally draining. Once again, adding to the mental draining portion or the, the psychological portion of this, of this task. But I just feel like it's more the most well-rounded. If you're a young individual, you can get away with a lot. And we'll go back to age shortly. Um, if you're an older individual, it's beneficial for you as well. But once again, when you're young, you can get away with everything. So why do I say it's more balanced? You can choose any of these other dieting styles. Paleo, 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 which is now kind of keto. Um, intermittent fasting, which is not kind of a dieting style, but it kind of is, I guess. Um, you know, you can try to be vegan. You can try to be whatever you want. Ultimately, let's take paleo or keto for, for, for those folks that probably know it by that now these days. Look, everybody has comfort food. Every, every nationality, every single culture has comfort food. And oftentimes, that's not the healthiest thing, right? It just is. And I have my own love with, with carbohydrates. I have my own love with breads and pastas and whatever, whatever. And with that said, when you're doing a keto diet, you're not supposed to have carbs. Maybe a few vegetables here and there, but you're doing mostly meat. And while I think it's a great option for most, I'm not one of those. Oh, hold on. Backtrack. Well, I think it's a good option for some. I do think that it is something that you have to give up a lot to maintain. And I'm not one to be able to sit here and say, oh, my birthday's coming up. I can't have any cake. Or my birthday's coming up and, um, or this is coming up, this event is coming up and I can't have drinks with some friends. Or, hey, this is coming up. I can't ever have a slice of pizza. Like, really? It's just not my style. I don't like that level of limitations. It works great for people. And quite frankly, if you can get on that train and stay on that train, it's a great diet because your body functions pretty dang well with it. From what I hear, a little asterisk there is from what I hear. I don't necessarily, I've never done it. Um, 
for a couple different reasons, but I don't want to get into my personal reasons for it because then it just turns into a very lengthy podcast. Long story short, I hear it's beneficial for people. And for some of you that don't want the mental, ta- the mental um, taxation of tracking and dealing with calories in and calories out might be a good option. Uh, I don't recommend vegan stuff because you have to be far more adept in diet when it comes to that, right? When we're talking about macros and micros, um, the vegan stuff's kind of interesting, but the, the, the complexity of soy when it comes to testosterone and estrogen levels, the complexity of getting all your, your vitamins and nutrients and your B vitamins with some of those, it, it's, it gets real squirrely and you got to be far more adept in dieting and being aware of what your body needs that you're not getting from a plant-based diet only. So let's talk about the simplicity of flexible dieting. The simplicity of flexible dieting is that you have a caloric intake and you break it down by the macronutrients. For those of you unaware, we will be going to the dieting piece. But macros are basically the things when you look at a a label, which I'm going to grab something here, you look at a nutritional label and you see nutritional facts, right? You see a handful of things. You see calories, you see total fat, cholesterol, sodium, total carbohydrates, and proteins. Those are the highlighted ones in that list. Those are your macronutrients, your, your overarching nutrients. Those are what you really focus on in a flexible dieting style. The items under the thick bar at the very bottom are your micronutrients. Those are your vitamins, your minerals, and those things aren't as focused as deeply in a flexible dieting. And in a perfect world, when we didn't have, if we didn't have a shit medical, um, for lack of a better word, a medical society here in the U.S., you should be able to go anywhere and just get your blood work done on a regular basis to, to see where your micronutrients are based on your dieting style. But because, because we have such a terrible um, healthcare system here in the U.S., that's not the case. So to cover those bases, I would highly suggest that you vary your diet with tons of different vegetables and meats and, and different fats as you can, while also possibly taking a multivitamin, which already is a thing that's very topical these days. People don't believe in them. My whole thing with multivitamins is they're cheap enough where if they do something, it's better to have them than not. And I'm not asking you to buy a $500 pair of, uh, a $500 container of vitamins. But anyways, so because of that, that's the perfect case scenario. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've helped people and I myself have done something where you eat the same damn thing for a long amount of time and my blood work comes pretty damn good. With that being said, I am not saying you should do what I do because I've done things in this, in the, with the single purpose of learning And it's come with some sacrifices. Now, back on track. So we will be focusing primarily on the macronutrients. And we will be focusing very little on the micros. So take your multivitamins. I highly suggest everybody take D3 because not a lot of people get sun. Um, I highly suggest people take some sort of fish oil, high-quality fish oil. Um, Look and do a little research as to which of the two you need more in your diet. 
I want to say the one that everybody really wants more of is a DHA, which is a harder one to get in most fish oils. Um, the, the, the proportion of DHA to EPA. Um, I, on a daily basis, take the three fish oil, uh, multi, and I mean, that's about it. So, and my blood work comes in fine. Once again, you're not me. So I don't exactly know what genetic, your genetics are just, are, uh, are kind of what you need out of your genetics. It might be different than mine, but that's my experience. All right. Next, next point of contention. Um, the psychological burden of dieting is, is incredibly difficult because they, there's a, a, a bit of social pressure tied to it, right? So when you're putting in this much work, you expect results, but at the same time, because you're working so hard, there's a certain level of pressure that you and society kind of puts on yourself. I don't know how to deal with those, how to help you deal with those. I think a lot of those you have to kind of put to the side um, the way I just... Try not to even worry about that shit. It, you got to do your own thing and you can't let these societal pressures kind of impact you because this is a long road. My goal with this series is to help you understand nutrition, help you tinker with your own nutrition so that you yourself can manipulate your diet for the rest of your life and hopefully be able to mitigate some of these totally avoidable diseases while also maintaining a moderate body fat. I'm not doing this to tell you guys to have a 6% body fat. You shouldn't do that. I'm telling you guys this so that you're not obese and you can control your own diet and not have to go be on pills the rest of your life. Okay, next things. We're running kind of quickly through this, but I feel like this is gonna be one of those that you guys will have to listen to. And once again, jot some notes down. Let's talk about a few little minute items. Age. So age is an interesting one because when you're young, as you know, and you're in your, your teens, your, your early 20s, you can do anything and your body just bounces back. Those of you that you know, partake in the alcoholic beverages know what it's like to go out partying on a weekend and the next day you're not really hurting. Well, when you get in your late 20s, your 30s, your 40s, you do the same kind of activities, you are hurting. Same thing with your nutrition partitioning. Um, what that means is basically your abilities, your body's ability to break down nutrients and use them effectively. So what ends up happening is that when you're in your teens, your body's growing so quickly, your body's so focused on developing because of either your pre or post puberty sessions that your body takes the nutrients and uses them incredibly efficiently this is one thing that people that are on steroids whatever you're calling them whether it's yes trt or steroids trt or hgh or or any of the other um bodybuilding style uh steroids are a little bit more complex that that's one thing that apart from the recovery that they give you is they give you incredibly good nutrition partitioning and what that essentially means that your body when you take in carbohydrates it doesn't really convert a lot into fat it doesn't really convert a lot of fat into fat it takes calories and distributes them very nicely throughout your body and is also loading you with a lot of glycogen in the muscle bellies versus tacking on fat right your body puts on fat i should have touched upon that before your body puts on fat as a survival mechanism back in the day when 
food wasn't as readily available, your body needed to be able to stay alive after long periods of time not eating. So therefore, your body would store fat like a silo, right? And eventually, if you ran too low, it would tap into the silo reserves and keep you alive. Steroids don't put on a lot of fat, but your body can still use glycogen as energy. Um, that's a little caveat there. So we'll get into glycogen when we get into carbohydrates. So keep in mind that age does have a big factor. And in my early 20s, man, I'd recover so nicely. <laughs> and now in my 30s, the recovery's slowed a bit. Not as much as some people like to make it seem, but I also have over 20 years of using my body for physical fitness, which makes sense why I need more, why I have some knots in my body. Anyways, I digress. So be aware that age is a huge factor. And as you get older, you definitely um, want to be more cautious and be aware that you can't do the same things you did in your youth. One of the things that also I've been thinking about, which I have not tested, so don't take this for granted. Um, I hear that the, um, the little, I can't remember the name of them, little things basically in your GI tract that do a good job of, of taking nutrients and separating them. I guess they look like little hairs. Um, those start to wear and break and, and, and get really crappy over time. So ultimately, the way your body breaks down food and, and uses it is impeded. Um, the telomeres, I believe they're called, the telomeres. Anyways. And so I wonder if, as you get older, because your telomeres are likely far more damaged and used, um, it is probably better to have a lower caloric intake as your body's not going to use the nutrients as efficiently. And then also, let's face it, when you're in your 30s, 40s, your activity levels are probably quite low, unlike when you are in your 20s. Anyways, that's just something that I might tinker with in the future. Back to dieting. So be aware that age is a factor, and depending on where you're starting this journey, um, you will have to either go harder or softer into this journey. Um, when you're younger, you can go softer into it. When you're older, you kind of have to go a little harder um, in, in the dieting portion, not so much in the workouts. When you're younger, you can definitely go harder on the workouts and maybe a little lighter on the, on the dieting because your body's just far more optimal. I'm going to take a little pause here to kind of give you guys a little breath. But also, as I'm thinking about this, it's like, this is so challenging for me. Um, not because, because, well, first and foremost, definitely because I'm my micromanager when it comes to this kind of stuff. So if I'm working one-on-one -on -one with people, I'm on their asses. So this is difficult for me to give everybody the information and assume everybody knows how to do it because it's, it's all upon me to be able to tell you how these protocols work. Um, a little, a little, a little nerve-wracking, but... I, this is something I've been wanting to do for a long time. So ultimately, um, this is a better avenue to do it via YouTube than YouTube because production would be far higher on a YouTube video. So anyways, that was your break. Get your notes back out. So a couple more things to get to know when it comes to this preface section of the, um, the dieting. Okay, so we've gotten into a couple things like age. Another thing to think about is injuries. If you're coming into something like this with, pre with injuries or um, ailments, whatever they are, you're going to have to adapt your lifestyle to the thing, right? For what I mean, if you're diabetic, it's very likely this dieting style isn't for you. 
because we're going to manipulate carbohydrates pretty heavily. And so if you're diabetic, this is likely not the move. You probably are going to benefit far more from a keto. And quite frankly, your doctor probably should be having you on a keto style diet. Another thing, if you've got physical injuries that you are, are compensating, right? You've got maybe war injuries or you've got, you know, lack of flexibility in this and that. Like you definitely will want to tailor your diet, your training protocols to work around your injuries. When it comes to diet and training, injuries are usually two steps back. So if you push yourself too far with your body, that injury will take you two steps back versus going a little easier and having a steady pace, right? The, the hair on the tortoise. You want to be the tortoise in these situations. That's something to consider. While we're talking about workouts, let's talk about workout types. I've done this a million times. And the greatest success I find are with a mix of cardiovascular workouts with a mixture of weight, uh, weightlifting workouts. Why? Okay, let's talk about that. Ultimately, cardio works great to burn calories in the moment. The problem with cardio is that as your cardiovascular endurance and strength increases, it is also harder to get in the upper heart rates, therefore you're gonna eventually burn less calories. In the beginning, you're gonna burn a ton of calories because you're just out of shape. But towards the latter of the, of the training cycle, your heart rate is far more, um, is stronger. Your heart is stronger, therefore your heart doesn't have to pump as hard, therefore it's not, your body's not putting in as much work to circulate that blood and move you around. So that's one thing to consider. The other thing is that cardio burns calories in that moment and then after that moment your body cools down and if, if you've been doing cardio for a while, the musculature in your body doesn't necessarily always have to adapt for that level of cardio. It likely is already there. That's why you see a lot of, a lot of guys that, that are just smaller bodied because they, they don't need the large muscles to run a whole bunch of miles. Now, with that being said, Splinter Cell was one of which that did not want to do weightlifting. So we had him on a cardio-based workout. It worked well. What I will say is that water rebalancing was far more efficient with somebody like him uh, because he constantly was sweating in these workouts. While if you're not getting a good night's sleep every single night, um, the water rebalancing overnight isn't as efficient. I, I realize that of myself nowadays when I have really bad sleep during the weekdays because of work. Pros and cons. The benefit, why, why weight training is far more beneficial in the long run is because of multiple reasons. One, we have you on a protein synthesis diet, which means that we're going to have you on higher protein levels, which basically creates the, the protein synthesis, which basically creates a, a function in your body that, that puts you in a moment of, or puts you in a stance of putting on body weight as far as muscle goes. Your body wants to adapt, so it's getting plenty of protein in the body. I, this is supposed to go in the protein section, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there again. Your body thinks, boom, we're getting a whole bunch of protein. This crazy dude or girl is doing a lot of crazy stuff. We need to adapt. We've got plenty of protein. Build muscle. Build muscle. And so after your workouts, 
your body's tired and they're like, that was a hard workout. We need to put on some muscle. And because you have the protein in your system, it knows to build muscle. So long after your workout is over, your body is focused on putting on muscle to adapt to that workout. So next time that workout's a little easier. In a perfect world, you know, it would be easier the next time, but that's not the way it works. But your body's still in that process as long as you keep your protein levels high. So in the process of doing all of that, your body is burning calories, right? This is no different than your body trying to cool you off after a run or your body trying to, your body's constantly trying to adapt. This is the problem. This is what we're trying to hack is your body's adaption to the, the, the body fat retention. And we're combating that with a number of different things. One of which is a training, one of which is a diet, but also we're trying to tinker with your metabolism. And we're also trying to put your body in a position where it's becoming stronger and better. And so you're constantly trying to adapt it. And stronger and better is not conducive to putting on body fat. You're hacking your system unintentionally by doing all this other BS. I hear that Huskies have a, a, a metabolism where they can manipulate it themselves, which is kind of freaking awesome. But you're not a husky, no matter how much you want to identify as one. Back to the point. So be aware that weight training, a good weight training protocol with a little bit of cardio, and we'll talk deeper into another episode as how I would propose you doing this. But with a little bit of cardio or added cardio as you progress is going to help you in the long run. It's far faster. It's far more beneficial. And as your body packs on more muscle, your body has now a higher caloric deficit it needs or higher caloric intake that it needs to maintain that mass. So let's say you, you train for five years, you put on quite a bit of muscle mass because you started from a newbie gains, right? You train for five years, you do it dedicated and, and you do it consistently and you put on a good chunk of muscle, right? Now your, your daily caloric intake need is far higher than it was when you started, not because of the time in, but because you now have more muscle mass on your frame and your body needs that fuel constantly in order to maintain that body. This is no different than if you're on a train that's powered by coals. You need to keep the coals moving into that furnace in order for that train to maintain that speed. The moment you give, you don't give the coals into that furnace, you don't put the coals into the furnace is what I meant to say, the train slows down. Same thing with your body. If you don't feed it, the caloric intake it needs to maintain that, that weight, that muscle mass, your body will tailor back down. Whether that's in, in the loss of fat, whether that's the loss of muscle mass. This is the same thing what you're doing with, with body fat. The let, the, you bring down your calories, you increase your activity, your body's like, well, we don't need this body fat, we're getting food consistently, but also, we need to burn this food because it's not conducive to the things that he's doing with his body. A couple other things are happening there, but we don't need to get into that level of semantics. So this is my, my talk on training. I cannot give you a training protocol. Why? Because it is, it is such a difficult thing. Training protocols are harder to master than necessarily dieting. Um, because of what your goals, because of your body type, because of your previous injuries, because of a ton of different things. These are highly individualized and I highly, highly suggest that you look at something that benefits your lifestyle, 
the type of um, time you have to work out, the goals for you, because the goals for a 19-year-old male are not the same goals for a 19-year-old female. So ultimately, that's something you have to do some research on. I highly suggest that you do some weight training, paired up with some cardio of some sort. Um, But we'll talk about specifics as far as training frequency and all that in the next episode. Also, while we're on that topic, let's talk about men versus women. Men versus women. Um, they, They are different creatures, as much as we don't want to pretend like they're not in today's society. They're far different creatures. As much as you ladies are going to feel justified when I say this, you are justified and right. Men have an easier time losing weight. 100%. Don't at me. Don't, don't try to correct me. Men have an easier time. It's called testosterone, ladies. When, when a man gets on a testosterone cycle, even if he doesn't work out, he's going to have far better nutrient partitioning. He's going to look better no matter what. Now, is he going to look like Arnold? No, Arnold put in a shit ton of time. What I mean by that is you will see changes and, and it will be far an improvement. Well, guess what? Men naturally produce testosterone. So ultimately, they are easier and have an easier time losing weight. This is why men, you'll see these like 65, 75-year-old men that are on TRT and some growth hormone, and they've got literal oblique to ab separation. I don't even have that, and I'm half their age, okay? So testosterone and all of these other categories of um, hormone manipulation do play a role. And also, some of your favorite female fitness girls probably do them too, but we won't get into that. So be aware that it is easier for men. Now, I'm not going to note that it's easier or harder for men. Um, um, it's not, that's, it's harder for men. It's definitely harder for women for a number of different reasons, because as women, you guys have a menstrual cycle and that menstrual cycle is like the way the moon affects waves in the earth, right? It affects your weight easily and consistently. And I will say this with the small experience I have working with women, I will say you guys have a harder time all the way around. And why do I say that? Because women naturally are far more emotional and empathetic. And so this psychological whiplash that you get from going, making progress and then feeling like you lost it during your menstrual cycle, plus the hit of your menstrual cycle hormones, plus all the other stuff you got going on in your life, it's far more deterring. With that said, I tell all the ladies this, if you're dieting, Your menstrual cycle is not an off period necessarily, but I will say is that it's be aware that it's a rising tide and then it drops. You have a lot of stuff going on with your bodies during that menstrual cycle. So naturally your body is going to retain more water. It's going to float and flush more water at the end of it. So don't feel like the things that you're doing are, are not registering with your body. They do. They just... You got to get past that wave as if you're on a surfboard. You get past that wave and then you get back down. You hit it hard again and you keep doing it over and over. This is no different than what men do. Men hit it hard all the time, as do you. You need to do the same thing. But be aware that because this is a psychological endeavor, this will be a mind fuck, for lack of a better word, 
for you during your menstrual cycle. Some of you will peak water retention before, during, or after. It just depends on the body and the genetics. So don't stress out. Don't think you're doing something wrong. Don't get anxiety because of it. It is just part of the nature of being a woman. I know some of you are very angry at that statement, but it is what it is, okay? So keep, keep, keep grinding and be aware that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It's just gonna always be a little bit of a, of a, of a wave for you. As far as men and women go, of course, like the caloric differences are there. Men are gonna have far higher caloric intake. Both uh, men and women are gonna retain water during certain times. Uh, both achieve higher balances with good, good amount of sleep. Um, training protocols might be different because of the goals of each of them. But ultimately, you still want to probably do some weight training with some cardio. That transitions us to the next point, genetics. Some people will get away with things more than others because of pure and sheer genetics. I hear there are people that are like, I'm not on steroids and I'm natural and look at how good I look. And I always have a skeptical hippo face whenever I hear that because everybody's on steroids. It's hard for me to kind of look at those people straight, but... Ultimately, um, you have to admit that there are going to be some genetic freaks, right? There are humans in this world that are seven feet tall. And because of that, you have to admit that there are certain people in the world that are genetic freaks. But for you to be that person is highly unlikely. But with that all said, depending on your genetics, you can likely get away with some stuff over others, right? I have experienced that um, because of my genetics... I don't bloat with carbohydrates. Like some people are highly intolerant to carbohydrates, like, like either sickly with them, you know, you get hives, or they bloat instantly, like both stomach, but also the, the, the elasticity between your skin and, and, and your, your muscle bellies. Some people just bloat and retain water with carbohydrates like no other. I don't necessarily have that issue. Some people are very sensitive to fat intake. Some people need it desperately. Some people need a tremendous amount of fats in their day for their hormone levels to be good and for their happiness. I'm not that way. I can go with lower fat intake and I, my body functions far better with a higher carbohydrate intake. So what am I saying here? What I'm saying here is that you have a personal responsibility to get to know your body. Throughout this process, throughout your education of your own body, you need to learn your body. Your body gives you signals sometimes when it needs things. And because we have so much shit going on constantly, nobody listens to their body. But there are times when your body will tell you, like simply, right? Let me give you a simple example. There are times you're like, I'm craving something salty or something sweet. Your body will do that. That likely means you're, you need something out of your diet. There have been times where I eat junk all day and I'm starving. Why? Because quite frankly, I haven't had enough protein intake in my diet and my body is far more, more adaptive, more functional, and it's fuller, it's more satiated with a higher protein intake, especially when I'm training, right? If I'm in a, in a training protocol and I'm dieting to a certain degree and I don't have protein on a weekend because I'm like, you know, having friends, having fun with friends and going out, we're eating pizza or whatnot, my body will still be hungry. And that's because I've fed it protein for so long that the day I don't have a similar level of protein, my body's like, yo, man, I'm still hungry. You want to give me that one thing you usually always give me that, you know, I need? 
So be aware of that. And so the only way I can sit here and tell you to do that is one, make some notes, whether mental or physical. If you need the physical, go the extra step. Don't be lazy. Secondly, be aware of your body. Close your eyes every once in a while. Feel what you're feeling. One of the things I do a lot during running, like I went running the other day after a hard um, deadlift session. I went running and I, I started realizing my right hip started hurting. Not hurting, but like bothering me. And while I'm running, I'm constantly just running diagnostics on my body, right? One of the things that, that way I don't get lost in the sauce of the boringness of running. Constantly running diagnostics. What am I feeling? What feedback am I getting back from my body? What does this feel like? What am I feeling more of? What is my body giving me more signals of? In that day, it was like my hip. I was favoring my right hip tremendously. I just feel like it was a jacked deadlift session, so I was favoring one side more. So by the time I got home, my right hip was burning. And so that's little signals that your body will, t will give you. And this is beneficial in a number of different ways. Your, your body will give, give you nutritional feedback based on what you're eating, whether it, it processes your body correctly, whether or not you, you blow with it, whether or not it made you feel good or not, whether it made you foggy in your brain or not. Your body will give you feedback while you're training as to whether or not you're, you're, the difference between burning from muscle and lactic acid buildup versus pain and injury whether or not your gait is incorrect when you're running, whether or not you're putting too much pressure and your knees start hurting. Your body gives you a lot of feedback. And oftentimes, you're not focused on that. You have your headphones on, blaring. You're focused on trying to get your X amount of reps, and you're just going hard. You're not listening to that feedback in your body. And so I would urge you to every once in a while, just close your eyes, feel what your body's feeling. When you're working out, when you're doing something that's repetitive like running or whatever close your eyes for a second what's the feedback your body's giving get used to that the better you know your body the more knowledge the more power right so the better you know your body the better you'll know the way some of your weaknesses are some of the more tension areas you have to work on more and more to release tension like massages and whatnot the more you realize the nutrition and stuff that that doesn't behoove you to do the more you realize what your body is doing, therefore helping you help it and also manipulate the variables for your goals. That is one of the better tips I can give you apart from this dieting thing. Like it is the best thing I can give you overall because this applies to almost everything. A couple more things and then I might leave you alone, but this is a long podcast. Once again, I'm sorry, but... I don't want to make this like a 19-parter. So some of you come here for specific things, and so I want to give you those things. So um, the next point of contention or the next point to talk about. Um, oftentimes I tell people, take some before pictures and definitely weigh in. How often to take pictures, how often to weigh in is, is a topic that I often get or a question I often get. Um, pictures, I would say every few months, not because, not because you should expect a tremendous look, depending on where you are, you could, but because ultimately you're going to want to have those pictures in the end, right? It's always good to have the pictures at the very end of me like, wow, I made it pretty dang far, right? Um, Secondly, because it does give you sometimes the ability to have 
some objective views on the changes that are happening with your body. You know, anybody that's gone through any sort of length of time being themselves probably never saw a tremendous change, right? You, you probably saw yourself change tremendously during puberty, but it wasn't until you saw pictures of yourself before puberty. And so having pictures that you can go back and look at maybe potential changes in your body helps you. Same thing with the weigh-ins. Having a, a weigh-in on a consistent day, on a consistent time frame. What I mean by that is, oftentimes I would tell people, weigh-in in the mornings, before any food, before any water, after you've gone to the bathroom. Why? Because that's the most consistent time. When we talk about overnight sleeping, your body does a lot of things there. It, it rebalances your water, therefore you needing to get up to pee. It also helps sweat, some, you sweat some of that water out. So your body is the most consistent it's going to be in the day. Depending on your sodium and your potassium intake and the activity of the day and the amount of water you drink, your body can fluctuate as much as like 5 or 10 pounds. You know, if you're a big, the bigger person you are, the more your body can fluctuate depending on those variables. Throw in a lot of salt, throw in potassium might not help, but throw in some salt in there, throw in a gallon, two, three gallons of water, and you are going to be a different person in that morning weigh-in than you were in the afternoon. Guarantee it. You know, I don't say guarantee a lot. So you want the most consistent thing. Why? Because this is all data logging. Ultimately, what you're doing here is you're tracking a whole bunch of variables and you're trying to see what your body is doing. So the being the, as consistent as you can with your weigh-ins is going to give you the most consistent um, reading and give you, if you were to graph the data, it would give you a far better um, diagram of where you're going with things. And you kind of need that. With all that being said, this is a double-edged sword. Because you have all this data and you're seeing it, there's going to be weeks where you do not see progress and that's going to be stressful considering how you have now gone and I just need to write something else down because that's the topic for the next video um, you will sometimes see the, the weight go down or sometimes it will go up sometimes it'll stay the same and so that ties back to the psychological piece of this this is incredibly psychological and you have to be able to shut that off the insecurities, the doubts, shut that off and continue working. Stay with the plan. One of the things I experienced with splinter cell was flushing. And we'll talk about that in the next episode. But that's incredibly disheartening. And as much as, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care how big of a bro dude you think you are. I don't care how tough of a person you think you are. I don't care how freaking impressive of a human specimen you think you are. This process, if, if, if you elongate it, it will still mess with you mentally, 100%. You cannot tell me that it won't. I've seen grown-ass men experience some psychological things when, when they're dieting hard and they've been doing it for a long time or when they don't make progress when they thought they should have. It happens to everyone. Be aware of that. If you don't believe me, how about this? Look at a fighter that's cutting weight. And those grown-ass men that go in and beat the shit out of, or women, that go in and beat the shit out of each other for a living, well, often you see them kind of mentally kind of have a little bit of a pause in their mental fortitude when they're cutting weight. Dehydration and food is not the same, but it can be. So be aware of that. So don't let this be a, a, an issue. Don't let this be a problem. Just be aware that this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. 
So don't take this far harder than you have to. You're just gathering data. And once again, this is another reason why it benefits most people to pay someone to do this stuff. Um, what else? What else are we going to talk about today before, before I let you ladies and gents go? Let's talk a little bit about calories in, calories out. And then I almost don't want to get into the food stuff today. How, many, how much time are we in? How much? 50 minutes. God dang it. I might have to do the calories. I might have to do the, the food, the macronutrients next time. Um, and then maybe that'll connect to the whole protocol stuff. Um, I should have explained the biological sensitivity a little bit better, but you guys will get it. And by the way, you guys are always welcome to send me messages on Instagram, Life Generalist. Um, I'm always kind of open for DMs. I, sh I don't have the website or anything like that because it just doesn't seem worthwhile. It's too much work to maintain something like that. But anyways, back to my point. Let's finish this up and then I'll leave you to your day because this is already a long video. Um, calories in, calories out. So that's the mechanism for uh, the flexible dieting protocol. It's the idea that your body takes in calorically a certain amount of calories and your body burns a certain amount of calories. And so therefore, if you stay under the calories, you, your body will naturally lose weight. On a general basis, on a general scheme, that is correct. If you take in calories and you're eating less calories and your body needs to function, and that, there's an asterisk there, right? Because that needs some explanation. But if you're taking calories and you're taking in less than your body needs to function, your body should drop weight. Okay. What is it? What, how do you find out what your calories, what your, what your body needs, the calories your body needs to function? I need more coffee. Um, that we'll talk about next week. But ultimately, it, it, there is no f blueprint. Everybody's completely different because of genetics. We are all a mishmash of, of cultures and people and generational worth of DNA. And so it's hard to say. Additionally, some of you are far more active than others. Some of you are very active and you love going out and, and doing exercise and training and jujitsu and, and whatever, whatever. And some of you don't. That's a major factor. Another factor is, well, genetics, put it simply. You know, some people have far better genetics. I don't have necessarily genetics of like a person that is lean all the time. I've known people that are lean all the time, but they're not great eaters, but they're lean. I am a great eater. Let me, let me tell you, I am a great feaster. <laughs> I, I, can, I can eat me some food, what I'm trying to say. So I don't necessarily have the genetics where I'm lean. I have to work towards being lean. The benefit of my style, of my genetics, I suppose, is that, you know, I, I have decent strength. I'm not going to say I'm freaking Thor, but what I'm saying is I have decent strength and my, my ability to put on strength relatively rebounds quickly when I'm off dieting to dieting phase. Um, additionally, you know, you look at stuff like my deadlift, um, that was a pretty good thing for me when I was kind of trying to do heavy deadlifts. So pros and cons, don't, don't shit on your genetics. There are always benefits to everything. 
you don't necessarily you might not be the person that you want because the grass is always greener but it doesn't mean you don't have your own genetic traits that are beneficial to you and let me put it this way while we're on that topic the grass is always greener is such a jacked um, mindset because it's true everybody always thinks the grass is greener you see a guy that's like six percent body fat yoked probably girls like that look and they're like oh i want to be that right and then you know you start working out you you don't ever get there because quite often those dudes are on steroids but also because his genetics might be better than yours well it is what it is that guy's lifestyle isn't as nice as you think it is and it probably isn't as good as you think it is and the sacrifices he had to make for his lifestyle whether it's steroid prone or not are something that you might not be willing to do yourself so don't be don't shit on yourself for your genetics like we talked about in the challenges podcast take what you're given in this world and use it for your own benefit so if you're a person that don't you don't feel like you've got this strength find out what your strength is and use all the other stuff for either motivation or improve the stuff that you can improve and go from there Suck it up, buttercup. So, back on the caloric intake thing. We'll explain, we'll talk about next time your protocols as far as how I would suggest you doing this when you're initially starting. But here's my quick little two cents on um, calories in. Calories in, apart from, once again, genetics, the calories in you're taking, but your metabolism is, is a big factor. Um, that's why calories in, calories out doesn't necessarily a complete, like, mathematical science you can't just put in calories and assume that you're going to have the consistency every single time for a number of different reasons we talked about water balancing but also um, depending on how stressed you are that's a factor as well if you're incredibly stressed all the time you're making cortisol and cortisol is a hormone in your body that essentially is is a stress hormone. And when you tr make a tremendous amount of the stress hormone, what ends up happening is your body wants to do the opposite of what you want it to do. It wants to retain fat, and it wants to, you know, you, you want to likely eat more, but it does help you retain more fat, which is counterproductive to what we're trying to do, right? So depending on your, your lifestyle, once again, that's a lifestyle feature, the other thing is your metabolism, you could be a, 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 a tiny little dude that's real brainy, skinny as all hell, and you could still have a very high caloric intake. Caloric intake is a number of different things. It's your body's, because um, your body breaks down calories and it turns it into energy. We'll talk about that energy balance next episode. But your body will break down those calories that you consume, turn them into energy, and then what ends up happening is that your, your body has to use that energy for all of your metabolic functions, which means everything that your body has going on, whether it's moving the blood in your body, whether it's the, the energy you need to move your legs so you can get to work and back or get to school and back. The, and, and also, the energy it takes for you to use your brain. So if you're incredibly smart or you're dealing with incredibly smart things, um, you're, you're a biological engineer, you're, you're an engineer, whatever it is, a scientist, your body's still using a tremendous amount of calories to make your brain do what it needs to do. So you, you could possibly be one of those dudes with a giant dome <laughs> like me, and you're burning a ton of calories. So this all factors into the bubble I call genetics. So... It's harder to say you as a male with X amount of uh, body fat and X amount of age and X amount of uh, weight 
are, should be on X amount of calories. It doesn't work that way. So in the next episode, I'll go over what I suggest that you do and how you start off. Um, and since this is literally a freaking hour, which I was trying to avoid because editing sucks, I'll leave you, ladies and gentlemen, with one final thought. Apart from being mentally disciplined, right? We talked a lot about mental discipline in this podcast. You can go back and look at my little diamond podcast episodes I like to reference. If you can use a multitude of those in this application, you'll be golden. But my point is, apart from mental fortitude and the motivation you need to maintain this type of lifestyle, training and dieting, I would highly suggest that you also spend some of your energy making better choices. What do I mean by that? This is gonna be a very difficult process for you. If you, let's say, are disciplined and you work out every day and you work out hard, and let's say you diet, right? You're dieting, you're doing what you need to do diet, but then you come home and you're unhappy and you're stressed and you're taking on a lot of extracurriculars that are not putting you in a good headspace, and then you're sleeping two hours a day. If you have that life of type of lifestyle, not gonna benefit you. I'm not gonna to lie to you. Why? Because the cortisol, hormones as a whole, are incredibly powerful in the human body. They're, they're what makes people go from a normal nerdy little dude to freaking Arnold, okay? Hormones are, are directly involved in all of that. And we will one day on this podcast talk about male hormones and why males act the way they do, but not today. Ultimately, what I'm going to tell you is that sleep is incredibly important because there's a reset that happens in your body, both in water, the way your body distributes water and getting rid of extra water, also in the way your, your hormone systems work, especially, specifically in a male, because I'm more, I'm more uh, aware of what happens there than I am with females. Um, the stuff happening with the pituitary gland, the stuff that's happening with your, you know, your ball sack for a different for lack of a better word, the stuff that happens in all of your body all happens overnight. That recovery, the growth hormone that's released from your body, all of that stuff mostly happens at night. And so if your sleep is trash and you're constantly over real negative stress and your cortisone levels are really high, it's hard to supersede that with training and diet. It just really is. Specifically, especially sleep. Right, because I can make the argument as as a male, if you work out hard but you're still stressed, you can get rid of some of that anxiety through the through the workout itself. But sleep is huge. So once again, we go back to the beginning of this podcast. Find your why and find out whether or not you can be honest with yourself as to whether or not you can take a task like this on. I challenge you to try to take something like this on. Why? Because I want all of you to be able to do this for yourselves and potentially for your mates or your kids, teach them proper nutrition. This for me is a generational gamble. It's not about necessarily making somebody Mr. Olympia. I can care less about a dude in, in oil in a Speedo. Okay, my point to this is that it's education. Education I wish I had when I was a chubby little kid when I was small with my little roles that I've talked about on a different podcast episode. My point to this is saying, this is education and it's empowerment to be able to give you the ability to manipulate your diet. But with that being said, you shouldn't just be manipulating your diet. You should be manipulating your life. Put yourself around positive people, people that are going to benefit you, improve you, try to, be in a try to be in the least amount of stress possible, whether that's you building a resilience to, to stress 
or you just not putting yourself around negative things that you don't need to be around. Maximizing your sleep and your diet to the greatest level that you can for as long as you can. Because remember, this is a lifestyle change. That's why they, it's so difficult. You're choosing to change your current lifestyle for something that's better and improved. And you can't live the type of lifestyle you're living now and hope to get different results. And that's it, ladies and gents. That is a square hour of data. That is a shit ton of information. So I hope that you guys, if you have questions, reach out. We'll have part two hopefully next week. And uh, hopefully you guys put down some information because it is a lot. Thank you for listening. Uh, the only thing I ask of you guys, I don't ask for Jack Diddley on this podcast. I ask that you just share it. Why? Because once again, generational gamble for me. I'm hoping that the time and energy in the last decade or two, well, decade, I'll about to say one, has been beneficial and helps benefit other people. I'm not looking for money. I'm not looking for Patreon money. I'm not looking for this or that. I'm looking for people to better themselves with their sheer, with their own sheer will and force. That's it. See you, hear you, talk to you. How about that? Next week.